y'all. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 7. Um, Something that I'm so excited about. We have more people in our private group. I love it. Me too. It's like a freak amazing. I love talking to everybody too. Yes. Like I feel like I like the people who like are really interactive. I feel like I know them. I know Valerie, Lauren, shout out girls. Woohoo. I, don't, I always go, woohoo, when I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, to start it off, I have two corrections. Oh, okay. Womp womp. Hit me with them. <laughs> I probably have like five. I don't know. Okay. Well, one, Valerie, shout out again, girl. You got my back. <gasps> oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense what she said about Queen Mary being Bloody Mary, not Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Mary was Elizabeth's. Daughter, right? No. Older sister. sister. Something like that. But I said Elizabeth really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we can't even get the correction correct. I know. That's my life. (laughs) Second correction is my coworker, Sean, who listens to us. So shout out, Sean. (laughs) Um, But he said we said Tootsie Roll instead of Tootsie Pop. Oh. And I was like, oh, we didn't say pop? <laughs> like, I'm a sweet lover. I know the difference. Now, you know I love me some damn Tootsie Rolls. I know, and I don't. I like Tootsie Pops. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> random correction ever. Well, I just want them to know that we know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> we know our candy. Mm-hmm. We used to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> oh, you know something else that happened in the group that I'm super excited about on Facebook? What? Um, Lola B. Doodle, not her real name, but (laughs) I mean, that's her Facebook name, not her real name. She is an attorney, which I mean, obviously, I know, you know, but they don't necessarily know. Anyway, she's an attorney and she has offered to help us when we have legal questions so that whenever I'm stupid and have to make another (laughs) correction, like, oh, yeah. So legal system jargon. Acquitted. Remember when I said that um, oh, yeah. Michael Peterson was acquitted and then retried? <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's going to be She's gonna be like, look. I'm sorry I gave them my number. Right. <laughs> Lose my Facebook. They use my number all the time. <laughs> uh, what is that Drake song? Hotline Bling. Is that you used to call me on my cell phone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. You know that we literally just went through those lyrics. Yes. Yes. Hey, we were on beat or we were on the same beat. Something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. Um, yeah, we're not hip. We we know it. Um, what else? What else has happened this week? Oh, I shared this in the private group and I think on Twitter because I was super freaking pumped. They might have the Zodiac Killer. Well, maybe. They are putting his DNA in one of those things to see See. if there's a familial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They got him. (laughs) (laughs) If one of his relatives uses like Ancestry.com or something. It's not Ancestry.com. Okay, 23andMe. Nope, it's not them either. Who is it? It's they're not saying who it is, but it's not a big company. Well, how would they have all this DNA then if they not because it's not a big company? It because they couldn't do that. Um, they couldn't release it to people, like have it in the 
database for anyone to find. With that stuff, you sign like a privacy thing. With the this smaller company, mm-hmm. it says in there like this is public. Dang. Mm-hmm. So someone was trying to be lowball and was like, "Ooh, Ancestry is too much. Like they don't have a free trial. I'm gonna go to this <laughs> free trial. You know." <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's how eHarmony loses people to plenty of fish. Right. <laughs> and that's, well, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> all I can think about is all you get is tadpoles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know what I thought of? What? We hit a thousand downloads. I know. I mean, we're not tooting our own horn, but that's right. (laughs) No, that, I'm so freaking excited. Me too. I am having so much fun doing this. I know, me too. It's the highlight of my week. I know. I love it. What's been your favorite part? Um, Or what is your favorite part of it? Okay. uh, Hanging out with you. Oh, God. It is. Yeah, but we do that anyway. I know, but this wouldn't be the same without you. <sighs> It'd be better. <laughs> Damn! Savage! <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It is being with you, but I don't know. I mean, I'm doing what I love and loving what I do. That sounds I like a rap a song. Living. It's a country song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite part? I. Hmm. Me? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, you no. can see her eyes, but it was saying no. I gave her a sad eye. I think mine is the social media stuff. Like, uh, yeah. Like interacting with all these people we would never have spoken to in our entire lives. I know. And like ha- making these connections. Um. Yeah, I think that. And then this is this is the little bit of the narcissist in me. I really like going back and listening to them. Oh, my God. You know what? I listen to it, too, because I think we are fucking funny. Well, I have the worst memory on the planet. And so true. I forget what we said. And mm-hmm. so, like, we'll say a joke. I mean, I know I've said this before, but, like, we'll say a joke. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was fucking funny, Donna. Yes. Thanks for giving me credit. Well, I'm not going to give myself credit. <laughs> You're not. Marley said, give yourself credit, girl. <laughs> you too, you boo. You is kind. You is <laughs> <laughs> she does know it for me. She's like, affirmation. Oh my God, y'all. <laughs> I, I'm, are y'all gonna, you didn't tell on me? Fuck yeah, I'm gonna tell on you. Y'all. <laughs> Meanwhile, she has power to edit this out. Maybe she won't. <laughs> Every day, Donna lets Marley lay on her and she's like, You're so beautiful. You're so important. Like, she just gives her all these affirmations. Like, you're so, what do you, what'd you say one time I made fun of so bad? Creative? No, it's like witty, but it wasn't. Anyway, go ahead. She loves it when I do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, enough of the cutesy cutesy stuff. Let's get down to the murder nitty gritty. All right. <laughs> you know what we need to tell them? That we went and got me a new chair. Oh, Lord. So that I don't squeak because I have to move. And Donna spends half of her time editing, editing out my chair squeaking. <laughs> and this chair <laughs> is so fucking tall. I am like six inches taller than Donna sitting here right now. It doesn't go low. Like, legit, my feet are having a hard time touching the floor. This is the tallest fucking chair on the planet, though. Yes. I mean. It's comical. It's like, Donna keeps looking over here and just laughing because... I'm so damn tall. Okay. I'm doing Herbert Richard 
Baumeister. <laughs> that's a mouthful. Baumeister? Baumeister. Oh my God, that's a mouthful. That's when you're supposed to say... Balls. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what I was. That's what I was going for. <laughs> All right. So Herbert Richard Baumeister. Baum. <laughs> you can't say that ten times fast or once. <laughs> Herbert. Does he not have a good name like BTK? That's easy. Uh, he had a couple. Can um, we call him Herbie Fully Loaded? I think that might be copyrighted. Great. Now we're going to get sued. Fuck. Way to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Herb was an American serial killer from Westfield, Indiana. So he was the oldest of four children. Um, and he was born to Herbert and Elizabeth. So he had a fairly normal childhood, but he was weird. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So he, like, bizarre behaviors is yeah. how it was described. So he, even though, like, his his family life wasn't abusive or anything like yeah. that. So a couple of stories that people have recounted from when they were um, growing up with Herb was that one childhood friend said they found a dead crow on the road on the way to school and that Herb picked it up and took it with him Ew. and put it on his teacher's desk when she wasn't looking. As a child, he liked to play with dead animals a lot and like not just put them on his teacher's desk. He liked to like play with them. <sighs> he didn't like Barbies, okay? He was more outdoorsy. Yeah. The other thing was that he was had this weird fixation with urine. Oh. I know. know. R. Kelly much? (laughs) Piss. It was nutty (laughs) nonsense. Okay. So he, one time, his poor teacher, one time he peed on his teacher's desk. What the hell? Yes. Um, And then he often would, with his friends, those friends were like, the hell? He would be like, I wonder what human urine tastes like. Uh, Mellow yellow? (laughs) (laughs) Quite rightly. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. So he just was like, as a child, he had some kind of... um, Weird shit going on. Yeah, like antisocial personality disorder type issues happening. I mean, if I knew him, I'd be like, he's going to be a serial killer. Mm -hmm. I know. But meanwhile, it was 1947. Did I say that? That he was born in 1947? I don't remember. Okay, sorry. You know, numbers, they fail me. So when he reached his teens, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and they suspected he had multiple personalities, but he never got any treatment. Oh, lovely. I know. And he grew up in a very um, normal... Yeah. Well, affluent, too. Like, how'd you know that? (laughs) His dad was an anesthesiologist. Yeah, I don't know what his mom did. She probably stayed at home, just given the times. Yeah. Like, and that... His dad was a freaking anesthesiologist. Right. So he never received any treatment for his mental illness. And the further in age he got, the more he started, he had trouble with it. But he was able to manage it somehow because when he was in college, he went just for one year to Indiana State University and he met Juliana, um, who would later become his wife. One article talked about that they were drawn to each other because they both were um, very conservative in their ideologies. And so they that's why they were joined together. She liked urine, too. Apparently. I mean, some people were into it. Right? I mean, golden showers are a thing. Yep. So in 1971, they got married. And then here's the thing, though. Six months after they got married, Herb's dad committed him to a psychiatric hospital. What? But, like, nothing I could find said why. 
It just said that his wife is quoted saying that he was hurting and needed help. And so that and that's it. Like he was hurting and he needed help. And he spent two months in the psychiatric hospital. Wow. Yeah. After he got out of the psychiatric hospital, they ended up having three kids. Marie in 1990. Marie in 1979. <laughs> Eric in 1981. And Emily in 1984. So in 1974, though, he started working for the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. The BMV, which is the same as our DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles. It's where you get your driver's license and stuff. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and so everybody now is like, oh, yeah, he had really odd behaviors at work and blah, blah. One thing that they said that happened when he was working at the BMV was that he and a coworker appeared on a company Christmas card dressed in drag. And, like, it will kind of sort of play in later, but it really kind of aggravates me that this that that is in so many of these articles yeah. around his odd behaviors with his mental illness. Because that is not, not. a mental illness. Like, right. That pissed me off, to be frank. Oh, for sure. Um, And so I just, I wanted to say that that was part of his kind of behaviors, I'm doing air quotes there, that he had while he was in that job. But it also aggravates me that it's... Lumped in. Yes. Yeah. Because that's not a mental illness. Um, okay. One of the articles I did read, though, said it acknowledged that it wasn't, a, that that's not a sign of mental illness. Um, but just based on who he was in that job, it was out of character. Like it was kind mm. of a, a sign of things to come. Yeah. So to say, so to speak. So he had worked his way up in the Bureau of Motor Vehicles to program director, but he was eventually terminated in 1985 because he urinated on a letter that he sent to the governor of oh, Indiana. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. So he had something with urine. So that same year, the body of Eric Rodiger, who was a 17-year-old white male, was discovered in Indiana. And later on, they said that he... They believe that he was Herb's first victim, hmm. but there's not. They like, can't do the timeline. Yeah, well, it's just not. They can't prove it, but they're like, yeah. we're pretty sure that this is just because it fits with that's right when he lost that job. Yeah. Um, and so they think that it was kind of the start of his killings. Uh, skirt tangent time. Mm-hmm. Something I've seen a lot on social media and stuff about the Golden State Killer is mm-hmm. that they blame Bonnie. Like how they will word it, his girlfriend or mm-hmm. fiance, how they would word it on some of the headlines would be ex-fiance spurred, you know, his killing streak yeah. and shit like that. And it's like, no, no, no. She did not spur this. Right. Like, do not put that on her. And now she's in hiding. No. Because people are bombarding her and shit. And it's like, she did not ask for this. She did no. nothing wrong. Right. People. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Because she broke up with him. Yeah. And then they... And that, because he would say, like... It sent him... <clears throat> it was his... um Catalyst. Um, I don't know. It just aggravates me because, because now her life is ruined from something that she wasn't even a part of. Right. Anyway, sorry. Tangent over. (laughs) So in September of 1985, he committed a hit and run while he was drunk and got caught and received no punishment. What? Mm -hmm. He was a white male from an affluent family whose father was a doctor and I'm sure had. And it was 1985. So best year ever. I mean, it was pretty good. (laughs) It was the it was the year we were both born. That's what she's talking about. (laughs) Um, And less than one year after that, it was March of 1986, he was charged with auto theft and, like, conspiracy to commit theft. 
What the hell? Mm-hmm. And then for a second time, beat the charges. Wow. It helps to have money. For sure. Uh, we know that from watching Making a Murderer. <laughs> oh, real. If you don't have money, you are fucked. Yep. You know what I just thought about? Everything we know is from TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny like not always documentaries either it's like it could be a little bit more factual than like i mean criminal minds you know (laughs) so his life is not in shambles but it's not good yeah he's you know he's got this wife and they've got the kids but um he lost his job and clearly keeps getting arrested even though he gets off yeah he does you'll see Oh, Lord. (laughs) Foreshadowing of the foreskin. (laughs) That's great. Um, Okay. So in 1988, his mom loaned him $4,000 so that he could open. He had this idea for a thrift store. Oh, Lord. And he called it Save-A-Lot. And not like, (laughs) but I think that there's a grocery store named Save-A-Lot. But it's not that. It's like a thrift store. One thing I saw said that... um, she loaned him the money. It was, like, after his dad had passed. But it didn't say how his dad passed. But a couple of the articles I read didn't say anything about his dad passing. So, I don't know. So, he opened this store. And after the first year, the store was making, like, $50,000. Just, like, in profit. And so, he opened a second location. So, in about 1991, the Save-A-Lot was so successful that they bought this huge piece of land. And it was called Fox Hollow Farm. It was this 18-acre one million dollar estate. Damn. In the yeah, in the suburbs of Indianapolis. And so just because of him having those two locations of his so his his store had started becoming a chain. Yeah. They had moved into this prestigious million dollar estate. You know, he was kind of finally starting to be recognized as like this pillar of the community versus this guy that's still in cars and sending urinated letters <laughs> to the governor. Yeah. Picture it. Okay, I got it. Million dollar estate. I don't even know what that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) More than we will ever have. Right. In three lifetimes. Yeah. Um, Okay. It had a nice little pool house. Oh, I love it already. The pool house had a wet bar and an indoor pool. What? Which I don't know if I'm down with that. I don't want I want the sunshine. Yeah. Like, I love to swim, but I like to swim in the sun. Yeah. But they were in Indiana. Maybe it didn't get hot enough for that. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe their winters are longer. I don't know. What do I know? We're from the South. So they had everything decorated very lavishly. Mm-hmm. You ready for it? In the pool area, he dressed up mannequins. Oh, gosh. To look like guests were attending. Oh. Like a pool party. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what I'm picturing? Home Alone when he has rocking oh, around the Christmas tree. my God. <laughs> Except these people were in bathing suits, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. What are with these people with mannequins I don't know. I don't know. So they say that, like, in his work life, like, with the store, the stores, because there were multiple. I think there were just two, though. Anyway, that everything was very immaculate there, very organized, very clean, very rigid in his schedule and that sort of thing. But at his house, it was, like, in disarray. Like, they had stuff everywhere, boxes everywhere, like, just junk in places, and that the yard was, like, all the weeds were overgrown and stuff, and that, but yet he had this, like, pool house that was clean, but it had mannequins who were dressed up. I don't know. Yeah. So, it was just, 
a very different space than what they knew of him in the community. So, like, when people would go over, they'd be like, what in the hell? You know, it's really messy, blah, blah. Although it may have appeared that Herb and his wife had a very, you know, good relationship, things were going well with the businesses and all, they actually didn't. She would travel a lot and she would actually spend a lot of time with his mother at their like cabin or oh, wow. country house or whatever the heck it was. Whatever yeah. rich people have, we don't know yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> and so he would be left alone for like weeks at a time. And that he also would go to Ohio a lot for business. So he was like in Ohio a couple of times a week, just, you know, driving there and doing who knows what for his business. Yeah. This is crazy. Okay. So they were married for 25 years. Good God. One thing said that um, in that 25 years of marriage, she never saw him naked. <gasps> and that they only had sex six times. What? In 25 years. Did yeah. they do it through sheet? <laughs> but no. Okay. So he made her turn out the lights. I don't know. They had the lights on all the time. Or and like he, kept he just clothes and just unzipped. Or like he got, he would always get dressed in the bathroom. I don't know. I don't know. Instead of the woman being like under the covers ready, he'd be like, I'm ready, honey. (laughs) Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't look. (laughs) Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he had like mannequin hands? Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I guess it just kind of speaks to his mental illness, too, though. I don't know if he had issues with his body i don't know that's sad I, right can you imagine being married to someone and so they have three kids so fertile myrtle over here <laughs> three of the six times they had sex she got pregnant like, his tadpoles just swim <laughs> just keep swimming just keep swimming <laughs> oh my gosh that's great i i cannot live like that no hard mm. pass <laughs> Or maybe not so hard. I don't True. know. Was that the issue? I don't little know. Little big, little big. We shall find out. <laughs> okay. So around this time, there were gay men who were coming up missing. Oh. And so remember, it's 1985. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Just still the, you know, the... The stigma. Being gay was still considered like an alternative lifestyle, which I know people still say that word now and it pisses me off because I'm like, it's not like, it's just who they are. Okay. Tangent time over. (laughs) All right. So Virgil Vandegrift was a private investigator who had been, who had worked for the sheriff's department in the area and he had retired. And so Vandegrift was eventually contacted by the mother of a 28 year old named Alan Broussard. He was missing and the last time that his mother saw him was he was heading to meet his partner at a local gay bar and then almost a week after that um he had gotten call a call from another mother Gosh. about um roger goodlett who was 32 and his parents he had left his parents house that night going out to a gay bar and so he was kind of on the case kind of realizing hey you know what these both of these men Went up missing. They're both gay. They were both headed to to gay bars. Hmm. And so he started putting up posters. Once he started putting up posters, he started getting calls from other gay men who said, hey, this has been happening. And that he found out that Roger Goodlett was last seen getting into a blue car with Ohio license plates. So he was like, shit, we got a serial killer. Like, this is, this is the real deal. Yeah. Um, and so he contacted the Indianapolis Police Department. But again, like we were talking about before, searching for the killer of gay yeah. men was not 
the top priority right. of the time. So, can you guess who had been frequenting gay bars? Oh, yeah. Uh, Herbie, fully loaded. <laughs> yes. Yes. Old Herbie had started going to um, gay bars when his wife would be out of town and picking up men and bringing them back to the house to go swimming in the indoor pool. Oh, with the mannequins? Mm-hmm. Oh. I know. So, of the people who had been contacting um, the private investigator, one man, one article called him Tony, but it was a fake name to protect his identity. But he said, look, I know that I, I've, I've met this killer before. What? I, like, it's ha- I know who he is. And he said that he had gone to the police and the FBI with the information, but they were like, Mm, sorry. Wow. It's gay men. We don't care. Okay, they don't think they actually said that, but that's basically <laughs> what they said. Yeah. So Vandegrift met um, Tony, who, again, not his name. And this is the story that he told him. He said that he was at one of the local bar, gay bars, and he noticed someone just staring at Roger Goodlett's missing poster. It, like, it was too much. Like, it wasn't yeah. just like a, like, he was like... When the article said he was captivated by the by the yeah. poster. And so yeah, he, just, he was reliving what happened. Yeah. So he was like, I'm just going to let me just watch this guy. So he just was watching him. And so he was like, Some, he knows something. Yeah. So in order to try to learn more and see if he could figure anything out, he introduced himself <laughs> <laughs> as one would. Um, and so the guy said, hey, my name's Brian Smart. <laughs> Very smart. And I'm a landscaper from... Ohio. Ooh. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Ohio license plate? Yep. Putting it together. Connecting the dots. So Tony started talking to Brian Smart and would try to bring up Roger Goodlett, but Smart would just kind of become evasive, change the subject. Yeah. So as the evening progressed, Brian Smart invited Tony to come over to his house where he was living kind of as this caretaker while the family was out of town uh-huh. he invited him to come over to a, his house for a swim mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he said he was doing landscaping the homeowners were away and all that jazz so he agrees to go so they get in brian smart's car not a smart car brian smart's <laughs> car it's like 1985 he did not have a smart car <laughs> but anyway the car had ohio license plates can you say that one did more I time? Did I say it like three times? I'm sorry. You have really driven that home. <laughs> <laughs> Since Tony was like, really was like, I don't know, northern Indianapolis. I didn't know where we were going. Yeah. But he was like, I know he took me to a house that said, that had a sign out in front of it that said something, something farm. It was a really big house with horses. And like I said, it had a sign and had like, you know, he described the fence and all of that. Yeah. He said that the house was a large Tudor home, which don't you really like Tudor homes? Oh, I do. I thought you did. And that they went into this side door and he was like, noticed that the house was super messy, like all congested, had furniture and boxes everywhere. Yeah. And just was kind of in disarray. But that they went into a pool area, an indoor pool area that had a bar and it also had um, mannequins set up around the pool. <laughs> you know you're about to die when. <laughs> right. So Brian Smart offered him a drink and he was like, mm, no thanks. Because, yeah. hello, you know that shit's probably spiked. Yeah. So he said that um, Brian Smart excused himself for a minute and then came back and when he came back he was like, buh, 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 like all talkative and oh. like <laughs> chatty Cathy and so he was like, mm, pretty sure he snorted cocaine while he was gone. Not sure, but yeah. So they're like talking, get to know each other. Brian Smart's 
Updome cocaine potentially, <laughs> allegedly. And so Brian brings up um, autoerotic asphyxiation. And, and so he asks Tony to do it on him. And so Tony was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so Tony strangled Brian Smart while uh-huh. Brian, like, oh, with a pull hose, too. He strangled him with a pool hose mm-hmm. while Brian masturbated. Yeah. And like, look, if that's your thing, the autoerotic asphyxiation, if you're if you're into that, cool. You do you boo. But I feel like that is like a level of trust that oh, takes sure. years to build up with a sexual partner. Yes. That is not first date material. No. That is not one night stand Mm-mm. sexual material. No. That is how a scary movie starts. Why? Like, how can you have that level of like? First of all, do you even know each other's safe words? <laughs> you know, right? Like, how? Like, just the level of trust that you have to put into someone for them to strangle you to the point where you're about to pass out just for an orgasm is not. That is not Mm-mm. one night stand material. Oh no, that's like we've been together for ten years. Oh, by the way. Can we try this? (laughs) It's like, yeah, but please don't kill me on accident. Right. You know, like you're not on my life insurance policy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So and so after Tony was like, did the asphyxiation to Brian, he was like, all right, my turn to do you. Uh, No. Yeah. So Tony was like, okay, which I don't, I know. And, like, if you think that he had something to do with your friend's disappearance. Yeah. Like, why in the hell would you be like, sure, when he wants to strangle you? The man has mannequins. Mm-hmm. No. The amount of red flags going up at this point are, like, yeah, out of control. I mean, if you wouldn't accept a drink from him, why are you going to let him strangle you? Look, we've all done some stupid stuff for a little nookie. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, autoerotic asphyxiation in this 18-acre, I mean, obviously it was dark. He didn't know how many acres. But this big-ass farm, you have mm-hmm. no idea where you are. And there's mannequins around. Did I mention the mannequins? <laughs> oh, God. Did I mention that there's nobody around? And that he had an obsession with a missing poster? Right. I mean, the red flags are just, like, flowing in the wind. (laughs) Yeah, and they're letting their freak flag fly. I mean, they are. Look, you've got that freak flag, you fly it. But you do not fly it on... Unsafe territory. Yes. Look, you have to know where to plant that flag. Mm Mm-hmm. And a one-night stand with asphyxiation... With mannequins? Did Mm -mm. I mention the mannequins? Yeah, put your pole somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) So when Brian Smart started to strangle Tony, Tony realizes, fuck, he's not letting go. Like, like, I'm trying to tap out, nothing's happening kind of thing. Yeah. So he pretends to pass out. And so that's when Brian Smart releases the hose. So Tony is, he opens his eyes. I just picture him being like, like one eye on him, like... I see you. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he opens his eyes and uh Brian Smart is like, Oh, uh, I I, I was so scared because you passed out, like played like tried to play it yeah. off. Like, oh, I didn't accidentally on purpose make you pass yeah. out. Uh I meant to let go of the hose. I was so scared. So Tony believes that the only reason why he survived was because number one, 
he refused the drink at the beginning of the night. Yeah. And two, that he was much larger than Brian Smart. And so he could overpower him. Yeah. So Brian Smart drove him back into Indianapolis. And then they <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then they agreed to meet again, like, the following week. So I think that, like, even though he was like, oh, you scared me when you passed. Like, I don't think it was, like, super awkward. Like, he was like, oh, let me clean up the body kind of thing yet. Yeah. You know, he just, like, I, you know, played it off a little bit. Yeah. So, again, fake Tony called the private investigator, you know, and told him this whole story. So he was like, okay, you got to call Brian Smart back <laughs> and set up another date. Yeah. And so he did, but Brian Smart never showed up. Oh. Yes. He said, mm-mm, already been there. Done that. You didn't die. Mm-hmm. You big. You won't drink. <laughs> you dead to me. You're no fun. You don't die. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just that was funny. Vandegraaff was like, all right, look, I think fake Tony's story is true. I, I really believe him. So he was like, I'm taking it to police this time instead of fake Tony. Yeah. And he took it to a detective named Mary Wilson. And which I think, okay, she was a detective for the missing persons unit, which I think is quite interesting that she was the one that was like, oh, okay. She was a, a woman mm-hmm. detective and you know, 19, whatever. And these were gay men. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, I got you, fam. You know, (laughs) like. Totally. So I just thought, well, number one, I thought it was cool that it was this female detective. But then also that she was the one that was like, no, these men are worthy of finding who is killing them. Yeah. Whether or not they're gay. Right. It's amazing. If you have empathy, what can happen? Mm -hmm. So uh, back to Herb. Around this time is when, this was about like 1992, 1994, the killings were continuing, but Herb's life was kind of in disarray, much like his house. (laughs) Um, The business started failing, and as the business was failing, he was starting to have some of his old behaviors that he had previously had. Like, he was acting very, like, superior towards the employees. He would leave work in the middle of the day and come back. And had clearly been drinking all day. Uh, Um, He was arrested for drinking and driving again. And so he just was having, oh, and he had to spend three days in jail. And he was on one year of probation for that. And so it's like, he was clearly self-medicating. Yeah. Because, I mean, the man was diagnosed with schizophrenia and never received any mental health treatments for it. I mean, so he was self-medicating. Yeah. Just to kind of make things worse. Around that time, Herb's 13-year-old son, Eric found a human skull on their property. <gasps> mm-hmm. And so Eric took it in, showed his mother, and she was like, uh, Herb, what what the fuck? You know, yeah. what's this? And he was like, oh, it's a medical skeleton from my dad. Because remember, his dad was an anesthesiologist. Yeah. He, so he was like, um, you know, it was one of the many skeletons he had, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. That's all it was. And so she was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> And so she kind of she kind of bought it, but then she was like, you know what? Yeah, I don't really like that story. So she went and looked where her son said that he had found it, and she couldn't find anything else. She was like, well, it must have been taken off by animals or whatever. So she was just like, okay, he's probably telling the truth. Yeah. So about a year after, we're going back to fake Tony. Okay. About a year after fake Tony met up with Brian Smart, he got to see him again. They just happened to be at um, the same bar one night. Uh And while they were there, fake Tony was able to get the license plate information off of the car. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he took it to Mary Wilson, the detective, and she ran it. And 
who did it match? Herbie fully loaded. Yep. And so she was like, okay, let's look into this. So the police um, confront Herb and his wife and say, like, come let us look on your property. Like, we've got your license plate. You know, we we think this is you. Why don't you cooperate and let us look on your property? Yeah. And he, of course, was like, hell fucking no. (laughs) So then the police approach his wife um, and she was like, no, like, I'm standing by my man. Like, no, (laughs) we've been married for 25 years. No. In 1996, the store shut down. He started becoming really depressed, threatening to take his own life. So I don't know what the final straw was for her, but she was like, I want a divorce. So she started divorce proceedings. She was suing for sole custody of the kids. And that's when she was just like, all right, look, Herb's on vacation. Went to the police and was like, you can search the house. You can search the property. And so the police came onto the property um, while Herb was away on vacation and did a search that lasted a few days. They recovered 5,500 bones, Holy bone shit. fragments, and teeth from four different victims in the wooded area of Fox Hollow Farm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The remains were kind of just like underneath piles of leaves and garbage and just crap in the yard. Wow. Yeah. And so then they received a report from a neighbor that said that he had found skeletal remains near this drainage ditch that separated his lot from their lot and was like, you know what, you should probably come look at that. And so they were like, okay. When they get there, they immediately found several skeletons coming up from the, like, protruding from the muddy ground. So they found 140 more bones. Whoa. Which, I know, which included rib cages, vertebrae from seven additional bodies. Holy fuck. Yes. Brian Smart has been busy. hmm So, also with these bodies in the, around the drainage ditch, there was a bunch of cans of Miller Genuine Draft, which was <laughs> Herb's favorite beer. Oh. Mm-hmm. So in all, they found 11 bodies. Whoa. They were able to identify only eight of them. Oh, gosh. I know. Johnny Bayer, who was 20. Alan Wayne Broussard, 28. Roger A. Goodlett, 33. Richard D. Hamilton, 20. Stephen S. Hell, 26. Jeff Allen Jones, 31. Michael Kern, 46, and Manuel Resendez, 31. Bless it. Yeah. And so they think, though, that he may have way more victims than just the 11. Yeah. Because if you'll recall, his wife said that he took a lot of trips to Ohio on business yeah. and we'd be gone for extended periods of time. Around the times that he was taking all those trip to, trips to Ohio, he would be traveling down or up or across. I don't really know which way this, <laughs> this highway goes, but our Interstate 70. In the area. There were a lot of bodies that were showing up on the interstate of I-70 at the time. And so the idea is that because with serial killers, they typically don't start killing like in their own home like that. You know, they usually start further away. And as they get more confident Mm -hmm. and more kind of brazen, that's when they start going, you know, to their house. And so they believe and they never were able to tie him to these murders on I-70, but they believe that that's where he started on all those business trips that he was going to Ohio. Yeah. Which they're not really sure why he had an Ohio plate because that's not where he lived. I'm thinking maybe he took it from somewhere on one of those trips. I'm not really sure. That's just my opinion. But that he would, while he was going on those trips, he would kill all these men and dump them on I-70. And then as he grew more confident in his skills and just more brazen, that's when he started picking men up from 
the more local gay bars and taking them back to his house. Yeah. Where he would strangle them. He would get them drunk, give them the drink, um, make sure they were really drunk, and then would strangle them with the approach of the autoerotic asphyxiation and say, yeah. like, hey, let's do this. And then he would choke them out and, and kill them versus it actually being autoerotic asphyxiation. Well, it was because he did get off on it. Yes. But then he also got off on Killing them. Exactly. Hey, two birds, one stone. I mean, if it's your thing. (laughs) When they were searching his house, they did find a video camera hiding in the corner of the pool room, but they couldn't find any videotapes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, And so they're like, you know, we really think that he recorded these murders. We have no proof because we can't find the videotapes. So remember, all of this; these searches were going on when Herb was on vacation. Yeah. So while he was gone, he called his brother a couple of times and was like, I need money immediately, blah, blah, blah. And so at first, his brother was giving him money until he found out that they were finding bodies on Herb's property and was like, yeah. uh, skirt, I can't give you any more money. Yeah. That's not how this works. I'm not aiding and abetting. I was about to <laughs> yeah. say that. Because he didn't, I mean, he truly didn't know. Yeah. He was just like, oh, my brother needs money. Here you go. So when um, Herb kind of realized everything that was going on, he fled to Canada because that's the kind of man he was. Right. He goes to Canada and he's sleeping in his car under a bridge when a Canadian trooper comes up to his car and is like, hey, what you doing? And Herb was like, oh, I'm just passing through. Just stopped to get some rest. And um, the trooper noted that he had a big stack of videotapes in the car with him. Yeah, and so they think that he took them with him. So the very next day, on July 3rd, 1996, Herb kills himself with a three fifty seven Magnum while he is in Ontario, Canada. Hmm. I know. He leaves a three-page suicide note, and he says that he killed himself because of his failed marriage and his failed business. Um, In the note, he says that he had originally planned to kill himself elsewhere, and he was sorry for messing up the park that he killed himself oh in. my gosh yes and then he said that he would have himself a peanut butter sandwich for his last meal and go to sleep so he didn't confess to any of the murders wow um and didn't they never found the video the videotapes that he had they think that he um put the videos in that river where mm. he was sitting before he committed suicide but his body was found eight days after he died yeah. So, I mean, so he, he was never obviously convicted or anything because he killed himself before they could even arrest him. He was never yeah. even arrested. But, I mean, they found the bodies on his property. He, yeah. Like, he did it. But, like, even in his suicide note, he couldn't just say. Like, why, yeah. at that point, you know? But, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of things of that story that were very much of the time. Yeah. You know, and that hopefully wouldn't happen nowadays. You know, with the fact that, you know, you have all of these men missing. I mean, he had 11 victims on his property. That is crazy. Not to mention the the number of victims that are probably up along I-70. Yeah. That he killed first. Because those were, like, the same MO. Like, everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't go into those murders very much, or at all, really. But (laughs) um, it was the the same MO. They were all about the same age. All the victims from the I-70 killings and the the killings in his house, they all have, they all looked the same. They were all like similar height, similar build, similar weight, kind of close in age. I know they, some of those ages ranged that they knew the victims like 20s to, there was like one that was 46. Yeah. But, but they all had the same physical appearance. And so as did the victims from I-70. And so, I mean, he did them. They're yeah. pretty sure. But he confessed to nothing and now he's dead. And what a bastard. Yeah. It's so hard 
when you you feel sorry for him, but then at the same time you hate him. I know. I mean, that's life, I guess. But, you know, I really wonder, one article I read talked about his diagnosis of schizophrenia and that it was saying basically it was an incorrect diagnosis and that he had antisocial personality disorder. And I just found that interesting, like, because, I, of course, I don't know statistics off the top of my head, but, you know, majority of the time, people who are schizophrenic are more harmful to themselves than others. Like, they, yeah. it's very rare that someone with schizophrenia is going to be a serial killer. Right. And so clearly to me, that diagnosis was wrong, but he never received any mental health. Um, yeah. services. And so it's like, it just speaks to such a larger issue, not mm-hmm. only in the, from the men who, you know, who are gay disappearing and nobody caring, but to the state of his mental health and the mental health services that he, were lacking. I mean, his father was a physician. Yeah. And he didn't receive mental health services, you know? Yeah. Fucking stigmas. Right. And I mean, and not to say that had he gotten therapy he would have never killed these men i mean that's impossible to know yeah i don't know i just thought this would this story i is just fascinating to me no i liked it thanks so that's him oh herbie and then of course he had to kill himself and that just pisses me off yes and and i what a coward's way out and i mean from and i'm not saying because of like suicide in general. I'm not yeah, saying that right. for people who commit suicide. I'm saying for him, it was his way. It was the coward's way out instead of facing the music for what he did. Yes. That's what I mean by that. Not saying that people who commit suicide are cowards. Right. Because we've been on that that Yeah, that tangent. Tangent, yes. It angers me when people do not confess to things like on their deathbed. Mm-hmm. And shit, just do it, please. Have that one ounce of decency, humanity. To give to, somebody closure. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess if you're the person that's killing somebody, you're not the person who Yeah, you lack cares. empathy and yeah. all of that. But it's like, just say, why not? You're dying. Yeah, and at the some part... I would want to, again, because, you know, like, I'm a serial killer with all my craziness that I come right. up with. Mannequin hands <laughs> with sex. Whatever. <laughs> um, but, like, I would want to be like, ha, 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 sucka. And this is what I did. Yes, you it's know? like, ha, ha, suckas, I'm done. You can't do nothing to me, and this is what I did. Right. I'm not a good secret keeper. No, you're not. No. I, yeah, I'm terrible. (laughs) Yes, you are. Well, it's like, oh my God, I found a gift for you and your birthday is like a month away. And all I want to do is tell you about it and give it to you. But you still can't keep a secret. But I'm just like an open book. I have no cover, no ending. I'm just full of pages. (laughs) Or full of shit. I was going to say, and by that you mean full of bullshit. (laughs) Just kidding. Sort of. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Y'all. Speaking a fucking bullshit. Oh, God. I have no <laughs> idea where you're going with this. We all knew that Carrie was horny, but we went to the zoo <laughs> Sunday, and this girl got horned <laughs> twice. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. <laughs> you said bull, and all I could think about was horns. <laughs> well, it was some kind of cow in the Africa exhibit, and of course, Carrie just wanted to touch it. Well... Shut up. (laughs) Miss, I don't like textures and everything else. She was like, I want to touch it. (laughs) And she got horned twice. It wasn't very hard. It was just like a... (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) It was just a bit of a poke. (laughs) Just a tip. Just a tip. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. 
God. Oh, that was so funny. I forgot about that. Must have not been too good. Oh, gosh. I did tell him at work, though, (laughs) what had happened. Oh, my God. So funny. Yeah, I was petting it. Like, I was to the side of him. You were petting that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Two-handed. But I was just petting it to the side, and he, like, I guess didn't like that I was on his side, where I was on his side. So he, like, turned to, like, be like, get the fuck off of me, and was like... (laughs) poke and i was like what the hell oh god and, and he continued to do yeah. it because <laughs> that's who i am <laughs> oh you don't like this here let me do it some more yeah. <laughs> oh and if you're in our close group i mean hashtag join it yeah we well carrie posted video and a picture of the owl could be michael peterson's uh puppet <laughs> That owl was so cre- like creepy. It, it looked like it was wearing a creepy, scary mask. Yeah, that was the weirdest looking owl I have ever seen in my life. And he was playing peekaboo too. Yes, like a creepy motherfucker with a creepy mask. Did I mention he had a creepy mask? <laughs> it, I thought it was going to be a cute like owl. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, do you remember when weird eBay listings were all the rage? Mm-hmm. Toast that look like Jesus. Yeah. Well, I've got a tell for you. And instead of thinking outside the box, you don't even want to open this. Oh, is it Pandora's box? It's not. Okay, so in 2003, there was a weird eBay listing for an old wine box that had a starting bid of $1, which is a genius bid on Price is Right. <laughs> Sometimes. Mm-hmm. So the seller stated that it was a haunted Jewish wine cabinet box. Okay. Mm. It ended up selling for guess how much? $10. $140. Holy crap. Yes. Okay. So in that whole description, he went into like what has happened with the box and all that. So that's what I'm going to tell you. Right, Like right now, right now? Like right now. Okay. Picture it. Portland, Oregon. There's this guy named Kevin Manis. Mm-hmm. And uh, he shows up at an estate sale. This one is not like a yard sale. It's more of an auction. So picture storage wars. That's how this was. He had an antiques and furniture store. So he saw some lot that he wanted. And again, you don't know all that's in there. Yeah. He won the bid and... When he saw it, he had like a couple hundred dollars of furniture that he could refinish. And he noticed that there was this wine box, like this antique box. So he's putting it in his truck and he hears someone say, oh, you got the Dybbuk box. The what box? The Dybbuk. And she said that the auction, so it was her of her grandmother and she was 103 years old. When she passed, and she was a Holocaust survivor. Oh, gosh. She was the only person in her family to survive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The girl was kind of telling him about it, and she said when her grandmother came over, her grandmother's name was Helva, I think. So when she came over to the States, she brought only three things with her. A steamer trunk, a sewing box, and a wine cabinet. Do you know what a steamer trunk is? I picture, like, what they carried their luggage in on the Titanic. Exactly that. Well, there you go. Okay. So, she said that she remembered that her grandmother was terrified of the box and would insist that her family never open it. And she called it the Dybbuk box. And so, he was like, well, 
you have this attachment to it. Like here, you, take this back. Yeah, thing. yeah. I didn't know that I was getting this. Like I didn't bid on this, you know? And she's like, Oh no, no, no. You purchased it. It's yours. Like, I don't want it. You take it. It's rightfully yours. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay. You know, like just trying to be nice do the right thing and because you know she's talking to him about it so he's thinking you know maybe like she's gonna have that back you know right well and it was one of three things her grandmother had yes period like to her name (laughs) yeah so he brought it back to his uh business and he took it down to the basement which was his workshop and it was a lot larger like four thousand square feet down there but the up top, which was his storefront, was only like a really small shop. Yeah. Um, but he thought, okay, well, I can refinish this and give this to my mom. And so he opened it to see what it was like. And it had like a lock and he opened it, whatever. And it just had some weird shit in there that he, he was like, all right. So it had two locks of hair, two wheat pennies, one wine cup, one slab of granite that had been engraved in Hebrew and a candlestick and one dried rosebud. Hmm. So he's like, okay, like weird, but I mean, random keepsakes. Right. So he goes to leave and he has a shop clerk there and her name is Jane Howerton. About 30 minutes after he leaves, she calls him being really hysterical and stuff, saying that someone's in there. And, like, they're trash in the place and she doesn't know what's going on. What she said, because I watched a little thing about, like, an interview with her. And what she said is that she got a phone call. Well, she went downstairs into the basement and she felt like someone was watching her. And she said, like, she's never felt that in that basement before. She's Mm -hmm. been there several times, you know. And she got a call. So she went back up to the office and it was, like, someone that she knew. Mm -hmm. But so she hears like something fall and like the camera's behind her so she looks and it's like a pole you know something that was just a camera's behind her sorry televisions you know the surveillance that's what that's called (laughs) like cctv CCTV, yes i was like uh what like (laughs) like where the fuck did a camera come from in this story (laughs) but so she heard the thing looked back at the cameras to see if she could see anything that was left in the workshop, yeah. you know, had fallen. So she's like, okay, someone might be down there, you know, since she felt like she was being watched. Mm-hmm. She goes back downstairs. She's like, hey, let me call you back. Goes back downstairs and then uh, the lights, they were um, fluorescent lights, started to turn off, like flicker, turn off. But then the glass would shatter <gasps> and fall to the floor. So she's like, oh, my God. Uh-uh. Get me out. Yeah. So she's trying to run out. Well, the iron gate, like the security gate, is locked. And so she can't get out. Oh, my God. And so that's why she's calling Kevin, like, please get back here. Someone's in here. Come get me out of here. So he's like, all right, look, I'm coming. He said his phone died when he was, like, trying to talk to her, calm her down. Out of nowhere, it just died. When he got there, he noticed that the doors were locked, like the thing. And he's like, mm, I didn't, like, why would he have locked right. those? They were open. Right. So he went in and he, you know, tried to turn on the lights and stuff because he, she was like cowered in his office, freaking Terrified. out. Yeah. yeah. So um, he went down there, couldn't turn on the lights and like crunched on the glass, you know, and he's like, 
Uh, what? All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets, and ten four-foot fluorescent tubes were lying shattered on the floor. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And he said he was hit with an overpowering, unmistakable odor of cat urine. Ew. And he said, Herbie Fully Loaded has been here. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't there 10 minutes ago when yeah. he left. Yeah. Right. So he was like, Jane's never done anything like this, but what if she knew the person or something and she's hiding some, you know, like whatever. So he went up to talk to her and she's gone. She was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And just left and never came back. <gasps> and she worked there for two years. So she was his right hand woman. Yeah. So, but he. You know how people do. They just shrug shit off and he didn't Mm -hmm. think of anything like, oh, that's weird, you know? Yep. Explain it away. Yep. Uh, Turns out that Kevin ended up not refinishing it. He just uh, cleaned it up with some lemon oil and was like, this is pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. So October 28th was his mother's birthday. And so she was at the shop and they were going to have lunch. So he was going to give her her gift. He gave her the wine cabinet and he got a call in his office. So he went up to get that. And he said about five minutes later, one of the clerks came rushing in and said, something's wrong with your mom. (gasps) So he went out and uh, she was not able to speak and she had had a stroke. (gasps) Yeah. In the interview with her, she said that when she opened the box, she just felt a rush of cold. And then her, she said she knew she was having a stroke because her mouth was drooping and her eyes were drooping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she just felt yeah. that. Could you imagine? No. Nope. Like, oh, my gosh. So she couldn't speak. And he's, like, asking her stuff. And um, she said that she was, like, able to scratch out, like, not really right, but mm-hmm. scratch out hate gift. And he's like, oh, mama, you know, it's okay. I'll get you something else. It's okay. Don't mm-hmm. worry about that. You know, like, we got to get you to the hospital. Yeah. Again, not thinking, like, she's like, get that away from me. You know, he doesn't think she's like, get that away from me. Yeah. Well, Whatever. why would that be with yeah. you? You know. Yeah. But it's like, after this, yeah, you know, very weird. But again... Reason it away. That's what you're not supposed to do, people. Right. Well, obviously, she started to speak again because she had that interview. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely tell she had suffered a stroke. Like I said, Kevin, of course, does not put two and two together. And so he tries to give the box to some of his friends and family members, all of which who give it back to him shortly after. Some of them said that the doors wouldn't stay closed and would open on themselves. Of the box? Mm-hmm. Okay. Others smelled strange mixture of jasmine and cat urine. Oh. So after he got it back from them, he sold it to a couple, and a couple of days later, left on his doorstep uh, with a note that said, this has a bad darkness. Oh, God. So now that Kevin couldn't give it away, it's in his house, and he started to have reoccurring nightmares. So this is what he said about the nightmares. It goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust. And then at some point in the dream, I find myself looking into the eyes of the person. Uh, It is then that I realize there's something different. Something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I'm with changes into what I can only describe as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag 
I've ever seen. What? Mm-hmm. Please note the terminology. Right. And then the hag proceeds to beat the living tar out of me. <laughs> he said that he has awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on himself where he had been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, he did not relate the nightmares to the cabinet. One morning, uh, his family had stayed over and turns out all of the family members who had taken possession of the box suffered the exact same nightmare. They all saw the old hag. What? So then after that, he started seeing some shadow people. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So the old hag is in his dreams, but the shadow people are like during the day and we're in his peripheral vision and oh, stuff. Gosh. So he said some of the visitors had claimed that they also saw shadow things. So he put the cabinet in the outside storage and I don't really know why if he finally kind of like put, put the pieces together. Yeah, or if he was just like, eh, I'm not going to do anything with it, put it in the storage. I don't know. But then he was, after he did that, he woke up in the middle of the night from the smoke alarm going off. Uh, he said he went to see what was burning, opened the door, didn't see any smoke. But he did get hit with the smell of cat urine again. He said when he went back inside, the smell was there in his house. So then he said he went back outside and grabbed the cabinet. He brought it back inside and was like, okay, I'm going to research about this. Mm -hmm. Finally getting somewhere, Kevin. Um, (laughs) He said while he was surfing the net. Oh, fancy talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm, The World Wide Web. The Uh, Google. (laughs) No, it wasn't Google back then. Dogpile. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, probably. There was a Yo Mama or something like that. Stop it. Go Mama. Something like that. Go Daddy? Uh, No, that's no. But ask Jeeves. Man, I ask him some stupid fucking Mm -hmm. questions. And he helped me write some papers in school. Right. (laughs) So thanks, Jeeves. Okay, so he fell asleep at the computer and once again had that same freaking nightmare. He said he woke up at 4.30 a.m. and he said it felt and smelled like someone was breathing on his neck. Oh. Yeah. He said that... His house smelled like jasmine flowers at that point. Um, And then he saw a huge shadow thing go lopping down the hall away from him. Then it says, um, if that wasn't bad enough, on Friday the 13th, Kevin found all 10 fish in his aquarium had died. Aww. Plus his little heart. Fish are gross. (laughs) (laughs) Hate fish. Donna loves an aquarium. Ugh, I hate it. But it, which is so weird that I love going to big aquariums mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, love that. I should say, it fascinates me, but I can't do certain exhibits yeah. and stuff, you know? One time when I was younger, we went to... We're, like, two hours away from New Orleans, and there's uh, Aquarium of America. Is that it? I don't know. Aquarium of Americas? I don't know. Something like that. Uh, but it's a huge aquarium and they have this shark exhibit and it had like a little porthole and apparently i don't know why but i wore red that day and my brother being the great big brother he is (laughs) pushed me into the porthole and was like it's gonna go get you because of red (laughs) and i freaked my freak freak out (laughs) Um, that is so funny yes (sighs) Picture it, Dustin from Stranger Things, because I did not have my front teeth. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, 
Oh, this article said, this definitely begs the question, why the hell not throw the damn thing away? So Kevin said the reason he was afraid to destroy the box is that he was worried that it would cause whatever evil spirit that he believed might be inside the box to Mm -hmm. be released. Mm -mm. And he said, like, you know, traditionally, don't burn the shit because it, you know, releases it, makes it worse, whatever. Gives it power, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he was like, okay. Thinking back, he remembered that the woman made it clear that he had purchased the box. Like, it was his. Mm -hmm. Don't give it back to me. You know, I don't want it. Yeah. So he's like... Okay, I can't sell it because people keep returning it to me. So I need something like all sales final. Yeah. So he went to ask Jeeves and was like, where can I sell a haunted wine box that might or might not have cat pee? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it smells like jasmine flowers. Other times, like animal urine. Yes. Ew, ew, ew. (laughs) You know what? That, That sums up my life with perfume. Mm. Every time I'm like, ooh, that smells good, I buy it, mm-hmm. put it on me, and I'm like, ew, God. Meanwhile, I reap the benefits. Yes. Because she's like, ew, and then gives it to me. And then it smells so good on you. Well, thanks. It's like my pheromones are rotten. <laughs> I almost said, <laughs> first of all, rotten, really? <laughs> but I almost said, yeah, my endorphins must be really good, and I totally met pheromones <laughs> in my head. <laughs> See, even in my head, I F that shit up. <laughs> okay, so he's like, Jeeves said, ba 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 eBay. Good thinking, Jeeves. Mm-hmm. I'm telling he knew everything. Uh, So he sold it for the 140 bucks, remember? Mm-hmm. And he sold it to a college student at Truman State University in Missouri. His name was Joseph. So he saw it and kind of was like, hey, you know, like... Because that was, again, the popular thing, kind of, you know, like, weird shit. Yeah. Um, And he's like, hey, this is haunted. Like, let's get it to some of his roommates. And they're like, nah, I'm good, you know? Yeah. Well, he's like, all right, whatever, you know? But then he does buy it. Joseph also claims to have had similar bad luck. So he wrote a blog about it. Probably on, like, Live Journal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there he chronicled his experiences. You said this was, like, around 2003? Yeah. Okay. Um, They said that they used it as, like, a party, freaking girls out and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so Joseph says that in the seven months that he had possession of the box, he and his roommates fell victim to many injuries like broken fingers, bronchitis, swollen red eyes, and insomnia. Mm-mm. Also, their house became plagued with decaying mice. Ew. Mm-hmm. And their electronics would all die daily. And then the worst of it came when Joseph, he was a healthy 20-year-old guy, mm-hmm. started losing, like, clumps of his hair. So he went to the doctor, and he was like, no, everything's fine. You know, it's probably stress. Mm-hmm. So he's like, um, it's probably the box. You know, it might really be haunted. So Brian Grubbs is one of Joseph's roommates. He works with a man named Jason Haxton. Uh, so he's kind of the go-between this operation. So in 2004, he went to good old eBay and listed the wine cabinet for sale. It sold for 280 bucks. Oh, gosh. To Jason Haxton because he had been following Joseph's blog, mm-hmm. and then he knew Brian, who had 
said like, yeah, this shit's been happening, you know? So Jason was, he was a museum curator for a, the university's medical museum. So they had weird oddities yeah. and stuff. One of them said it was a wallet made of human skin. <gasps> like, what? Uh-uh. 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 Um, when did Leatherface work there? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, thank you. And um, he also lived in Missouri, obviously, since him and Brian worked together. Yeah. So, okay, he experienced the technology problems, and everyone in his office did, too, that were close to the box. Because he had it to look over it, you know, and all that. Maybe we have a box. Oh, Maybe I have a why. box. Damn. Check yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) No, but maybe that's why technology hates us. Probably. He also said that the light bulbs in the desk lamps that were adjacent to the box would burst in the sockets like the ones at uh, Kevin's shop. Yeah. He said that he had some of the same illnesses that the guys had had. And he also had the smell of jasmine and cat urine. Yeah. Um, Which is so gross. Yes. Ew. And he also had the nightmares of the old hag. And he said she had really sunken in eyes and stuff. And like stringy gray hair that was like everywhere. I picture like, I'll, I'll just picture like Medusa hair. Right? Ooh. And he said that when she would fight him, he felt like he was being torn and ripped apart. Mm-mm. Yeah. He also got really bad case of the hive or hives, not the hives. <laughs> the hives. <laughs> he had the hives. <laughs> he had the band, not the element. <laughs> Which one's worse? I don't know. He was like freaking out and he's like, okay, this thing, because again, he got it being like, oh, it's haunted, but really still skeptical, you know? Right. Uh, so he's like, it's this fucking box. Mm-hmm. They had a rental property and so so in the basement of that rental property, he went and put it, he like sealed it away. And he's like, get it out of my house, whatever. Because they had saw some shadow figures also. And like his son had seen one. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, look, this is getting close to my family. Yes. So he did that. Well, when he came back, he got in the tub to soak afterward because it was supposed to close him off from the box. How do you know that? He, I guess, looked it up on Ask Jeeves. I was going to say Jeeves told him. I mean, can we be sponsored by something that doesn't exist anymore? I was going to say. I don't think that's real anymore. (laughs) So um, he's like submerged in the water. And then he like, you know, in the movies when they're like going to, you know, like submerged in the water. (laughs) Picture it. He's submerged in the water. (laughs) Wait, is he submerged in the water? He is. Okay. 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 (laughs) Just painting a picture here. Yeah. Uh, So then he like breaks through the water in like a... (gasps) That, you know, Mm -hmm. you get it. Yeah. He's not submerged anymore. Um, (laughs) And he can breathe. Yes. Well, he can't because he starts coughing up bloody gel-like mucus. Ooh. Yeah. And it's like choking him. Yeah. Meanwhile, while he's doing that upstairs, his wife had uh, got his clothes that he took off to go, Mm -hmm. you know, close himself off and she was putting it in the washer and when she touched his jeans her hand began to burn and she had like blister like (gasps) 
welts on her. And so she went up there and was like, what is going on? Like, yeah. did you have poison ivy on you? Like, yeah, what's going on? And so he's like, oh, fuck. It's still going on. Yeah. So he tested it for uh, heavy metals such as mercury or even biohazards. But all the tests came back negative. So then he started to interview the previous owners and he started to research Dybbuk because yeah they were calling that uh there were some hebrew etchings over the box mm-hmm. and stuff and he learned that dibbics have haunted yiddish folklore since the dawn of judaism's mystical movement in the later half of the 16th century what yeah dibbics is hebrew for cling and so the dictionary has it being an attachment or a cleaving to something. So it's thought to be a spirit of a person, instead of drifting into the next realm, sticks around and enters the body of another person. Mm-mm. And somewhere I was reading said that they believe that Dibbics are stronger than demons <gasps> because they've actually been a person before. Yeah. And so that was just scary. And they can only be exercised out you know it's not like you can just clean yourself in a tub you know um because then you'll be coughing up blood yeah it's like no bitch i ain't going you warm (laughs) and cozy Ooh, it's a flush blanket ew again why am i a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) do you want some lotion (laughs) it puts the lotion in the basket (laughs) okay so he found something that had said <laughs> real technical here. He had found something that had said something <laughs> that told him something on right. Ask Jeeves. Yes. <laughs> it said a soul that has been unable to fulfill its function during its lifetime is given another opportunity to do so in Dybbuk form. Uh, even though he now understood, like, the history, he knew that it's from this lady who survived the Holocaust, you know, and she was scared of the Dybbuk. He now knows what it is. Mm-hmm what it can do you know he grows more curious as to like why like how did it come to missouri did it come because it wanted to you know like yeah that kind of thing well he found some weird associations so after doing some research he came across the name harry hamilton laughlin harry laughlin was famous for his role in uh eugenics movement which inspired hitler to create yeah. the super race and then Coincidentally, Laughlin attended the university that would later be called Truman State University, which is where Joseph went. Okay. So then if you think about it, Hitler is tied into this with that and hell of a whatever. She survived the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So it's just like... A weird coincidence. Yeah. It's all with this cabinet. So Jason consulted with various rabbis on how to seal it, the Dybbuk into the box. Like, look, we're not opening this anymore. Yeah. Like, hence why the grandma didn't want anybody to open it. Right. That had already been done. Right. So they said that he would have to secure it in an ark that he would construct of wood and gold. And that would be replicating the Ark of the Covenant. Mm, okay. Um. So that, like, you know, contained the original Ten Commandments and okay. crap. <laughs> I didn't say shit. <laughs> and, and those church and Bible things. Yes. Um. It's... It said that the gold is to neutralize its destructive force. Mm-hmm. It said, be it an evil or an electromagnetic field. Once he did this, 
his medical problems immediately disappeared. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This Dybbuk box is known as the most haunted object in America, and it brought the attention of Hollywood. So in 2012, the scary film The Possession was released. Um, It stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Kira Sedgwick. Who's he? Um, Okay, so you don't watch... Uh, Walking Dead, but no. he um was Denny Duquette on Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, was with um girl, yeah, Catherine Heigl, yeah, um Lizzie, Izzy, same thing. <laughs> okay, so he stars as the dad who begins to witness his young daughter acting strangely following the purchase of an antique wooden box with Hebrew markings on it at a yard sale. Sound familiar? Right. And as days go by, she becomes more obsessed with the box and her behavior becomes increasingly erratic and alarming. It was actually a pretty good movie. I watched it and Hmm. I didn't know that it was based on a true story, even though it says it. But, you know, they get you every time. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So even though the actual Dybbuk box wasn't kept on set, uh, strange events occurred during the shoot, including exploding lights. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, why do they have to explode? I don't know. Like, Just flicker. Yes. Nobody's trying to clean that shit up. Like, why do you have to be extra? <laughs> so, in addition, after shooting wrapped, all the film's props were destroyed in a warehouse fire. Coincidence? Okay, so one more update. It was on a Paranormal Witness TV show, which is by Zach Bagans, who is Von Dutch's biggest customer. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like, if I know, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Those stupid hats, like Ed Hardy. Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever that is. I was trying to make a joke, and that's what I get. <laughs> God doesn't like ugly. <laughs> anyway, he has, like, bedazzled jeans. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Okay, so he bought it for tens. Of thousands of dollars. Holy shit. I need to go chase ghosts if I could have that kind of moolah. Preach. But okay, so he put it in his haunted museum that's in Las Vegas, and I want to go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Like, seriously, I want to go. Are the ghosts going to follow us home? Maybe. I don't know. I, you know what we can do? We can submerge ourselves. And then cough up blood? No, thank you. And you then we'll put it on our skin and make us look young. Damn. <laughs> You know who that was? Mm-hmm. That girl that was in that um, thing. <laughs> that lady that would kill people and she'd put the thing on her skin. <laughs> yes. Elizabeth Bathory. Yes. Man, if you want a witness to a crime, get Carrie. <laughs> she is all about the fine details. Okay. So he said that he was actually genuinely too terrified to open the box and hasn't opened it. Mm-mm, keep that shit closed. And you actually have to be over 18 and sign a waiver just to view the box. <gasps> yeah. Uh-uh. So how freaking cool is that? Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So that is it. I can't wait to see a picture of it. I know, right? Well, and it just looks creepy because it's old. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But I wonder, like, did you find anything about the random objects on the inside? Like the... Two sets of hairs well, and all that. Well, what they said was that the grandmother mm-hmm. had bound the Dybbuk into that box, like, to protect. And those were binding pieces. Yeah, that's kind of what I was stuff. thinking. Yeah. So it was probably her hair and whoever else's and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, to keep it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Kevin Manis was like, here, let's open this up. Mm-mm. 
and started all this fucking shit. Well, meanwhile, he was it him that got the tens of thousands, or it was the no. next guy? Third guy. Dang. Again, fine detail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I liked that story. Yay. I did, too. When I was looking at it, I was like, ooh, this is good. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Yay. So don't go to yard sales. Actually, be very careful what you do buy at yard sales because you never know the story behind stuff. Well, he heard the story and he still went rogue true. and opened that shit. True, true. I love a damn yard sale. I do too. You can get some good stuff there. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay, I take it all back. Do as I say, not as I do, okay? No, strike that, reverse it. Whatever. <laughs> you do go to yard sales, even though you said don't. Yeah. Do you have anything to wrap it up with? Um. Well, we always do what we learned. Oh, okay. You started with the yard sales. No, that doesn't count because I was... Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, I got one. Don't do asphyxiation on the first date. Yeah. Two. If you see mannequins outside of a department store... Run. Run. Three. Uh-huh. When a dead old lady doesn't want a box to be opened, don't fucking open it. Right. Like, she's been through the Holocaust. And she said, that's scary. Don't open it. <laughs> like, you don't fucking open it. Yeah. No thanks. Nope. 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 Oh, just be careful. Be very careful. <laughs> well. Um, well, I do have something to say. Okay. So, this is probably going to be TMI. Oh, God. Which, I mean, y'all are listening to this, and hopefully you like us, so me being TMI is okay. I have no clue where this is going. (laughs) Well, you know of it, but I just wanted to say it. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. What the fuck are you about to say? (laughs) Okay, so I like to be goofy and all, but this is serious. So I was talking to my brother the other day because we have this website that if you vote for us, we could be like featured as podcast of the month and hopefully get exposure and grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he doesn't listen to the podcast because apparently the scary stories affected us differently. Yeah. <laughs> so he's terrified of everything, especially Freddy Krueger. Yes. Like you still cannot say that to this day. And he's what? 38. Yeah. So all the times that your mom read you all those stories, you <laughs> loved them, and now he's scarred for life. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he doesn't listen because it's too scary for him. But, you know, I was just going to get him to support us that way. And he, like, he shares everything on Facebook. He's very supportive, just not going to listen. Yeah, he listens to, like, the first part. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, this is scary. Bye. Yeah. And so uh, he was saying that, and I was just reminiscing and saying that I had told y'all about us and Mama uh, reading Goosebumps to us and stuff. So, you know, we got mushy. And so I told him that I had told y'all about Heepy and Jeepy story and uh, if he remembered it and he said he remembered the the names, but he didn't remember the story. And so uh, he said, well, because he was like, well, did you tell it? And I was like, no, because I don't know the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, I can remember most of it, but I can't remember the ending. And so he said, well, maybe it's time for you to write the ending. And it, like, made me cry. Yeah. Um, And I guess because it just, it, like, clicked, you know, that this is me kind of carrying on that. Um, I guess we haven't really said it, but my mom uh, passed away suddenly 
2015. Mm-hmm. And May is actually the month that she passed away. So in a couple of weeks, it'll be a full three years. Um, here's the TMI part. I mean, that was TMI probably, but whatever. But this is like really TMI. But this is how like, you know, I was thinking about it and processing it is that I am 32, about to be 33 in August, don't have kids now. And I really don't plan on having kids. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not something I see in my future or right now want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the only thing that really bothers me is that I won't have the bond that me and my mom did. Yeah. You know, it was a very close bond, probably codependent. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, it makes me sad to think about me not having those moments of, you know, scaring my kids shitless or <laughs> anything like that. And um, it, and it's very hard for me because my, if I had kids, they will never know my mama, right. who's a very big part of me. And uh, so I was just thinking about how he said it, that it was my turn to rewrite the ending and make it my own. Um, and then I started thinking that this is, try not to cry. Um, oh my God, I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> um, this is what the podcast is to me, is the continuation of what my mom started. And so sorry. Um, but I like am so thankful that y'all listen to us and... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, maybe I'll cut this. Take a break. But uh, me and Carrie are just very thankful that y'all listen, that you have engaged with us, and you let us do something we are really enjoying. Like, this is the highlight of my week. Um, And I get to feel close to my mom. That's probably a lot after all of that, but... um, we really do take this seriously, even though we goof off and stuff. And it's more than just stories that we're telling, I feel like. So, uh, thank you. God. <laughs> Can't even deal with you right now. <laughs> <sighs> okay, Carrie, make us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Okay, now that I've, you know, made the mood come down. <laughs> All of that to say, thank you for listening. We appreciate you being a part of our lives every week, engaging with us on social media. And, I mean, we really do hope to keep growing and learning more about y'all and you learning more about us. Like I said, I'm an open book. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't skipped forward by now. Remember. Creep it real. And and don't don't get scared. scared.